You're listening to a University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences podcast. Craig Crowder is a PhD candidate in the English department and an instructor for writing, rhetoric, and digital media. In this podcast, Crowder describes Word 110 and 111, which he teaches, and his research, which examines social movement rhetoric in a society that uses multiple modes of communication. I'm Craig Crowder. I'm a graduate student in the English department, and I teach for the Division of Writing, Rhetoric, and Digital Media. The class is officially called Composition and Communications 1 and 2, and it's offered through the College of Arts and Sciences and the Communications Department. So it's actually the same course that's listed under different catalog names. So it's a Writing, Rhetoric, and Digital Media 110 and 111, or the uh, Communication Information Systems 110 and 111. So they'll do things like um, rhetorical analysis, where they'll pick an, an issue of interest to them um, in, a, in a particular community, and then they'll find different stakeholders within that community, people who have a vested interest in the issue for one reason or another, and then they'll write rhetorical analyses over each individual stakeholder's position and look at not only the types of arguments that that person is creating, but how that person is creating those arguments. So are they using more emotional appeals? Are they trying to convince an audience that their point of view is right by laying a bunch of facts and figures down? Um, a lot of times uh, different stakeholders use visual rhetoric to try and persuade an audience. And so it's really, I mean, it really is a hybrid writing and communications class. But on top of that, there's multimodal communication, visual analysis skills that they get to practice. Um, and of course, with it being an oral communication class, they give uh, formal speeches in front of their uh, the classroom. And one of the, the impetus for this is that if you're moving into a multimodal communication world where people are already using these skills and it's already expected that people will know how to do this when they come out of a four-year degree at a university, um, then really as part of a core curriculum we're doing students a disservice if we also don't teach composition in those modalities. If we just send someone out knowing how to you know, write a thesis statement and an academic argument well, that's great, and there, there's certainly um, a transferable skill that you learn from that. But that doesn't give you experience putting together a YouTube video. It doesn't give you experience putting together a website or um, editing an oral essay that you've composed collaboratively with different people. I always try and get students to make connections between their work they're doing in the classroom and their lives outside of it. And so, of course, having them do these non-traditional uh, styles of composition and communication, um, like the multimodal projects, helps them to do that. But above and beyond that, it's a, I mean, once you put students in a situation where they're writing for an audience that's outside the classroom, then they start to, to create better projects. And at the end of the day, I think that if I can get students to think about the ways in which rhetoric, whether it's speaking or in writing or in a website or in a video, the way in which that helps them make a effective message or breaks an effective message, then, yeah, if I can do that, then I, I feel like I, I've accomplished something. So you teach, but you're also working on your PhD? When I came here to the University of Kentucky, my initial impulse was to study 19th century British literature um, with a focus on class and labor studies. What I wound up doing was taking my theoretical interest, which is literature of the left, labor studies, class studies, performance of class, and take that theory and apply it to a different context. Now, happening at the same time of this, Roxanne Mountford, the director of writing rhetoric and digital media, was in the process of hiring a bunch of rhetoricians. And a lot of the people they got in here, like Jeff Rice, like Ginny Rice, um, like Adam Banks and Vershawn Young, 
they were focused on aspects of rhetoric that overlapped a lot with my theoretical interests. And so I wound up taking more rhetoric classes with these new hires than I had initially planned. And in the process of doing that, um, what I found was, wow, there's this whole branch of rhetoric called social movement rhetoric that is specifically devoted to analyzing the way in which communication happens in a context outside of a book and outside of the classroom and university setting. And so uh, while I haven't done my qualifying exams or done a, a dissertation prospectus and defended it yet, um, what my research will focus on will be that overlap of class and labor uh, within a social movement framework, looking at uh, union activities and the way unions influence social movements, um, but also the way more amorphous social groups have traction, particularly in an age of multimedia communication, um, the way in which they can influence a message, even without having a, a solid, coherent body that you can point to and identify and say, ah, that's the Wobblies, or this is the Democratic Party, or something like that. Um, it's a, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, think of the group, uh, the hacker group Anonymous, which is ran by, like, apparently everybody and nobody all at once. And so there's no one person that you can point to with this, but to say that they haven't had an effect on popular discourse is, is misguided. So there are a lot of changes that are happening within social movements, within the rhetoric that surrounds social movements that I think is rife for re-examination. Thanks for listening, and thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences, the Department of English, and the Department of Writing, Rhetoric, and Digital Media for making this podcast possible. 